Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Trolls. <laughs> We've got a great episode for you this week. I wrote it while uh, out of my mind on cough medicine. Don't worry, it's not the big sick. I'm just very allergic to cats and I was not prepared for the cold weather of Minneapolis. But I'm mm-hmm. doing totally fine. I've been tested a couple times. I'm doing great. Uh, but I did lose my mind on NyQuil. So uh, enjoy. This episode's <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, it's a real crazy look at sort of this uh, weird part of history, of Hitler's history. Um, and I and I had a blast. But before we get into it, uh, we've got some news. Um, we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Check out all the tiers and rewards we have there. In the new year, I am finally going to change and rearrange some of the rewards that we have there uh, so that we can make them more sustainable. Um, so keep an eye on that. I just got a bunch of shirts in in San Diego, and so I'm just going to go ahead and be able to pick them up on Wednesday and start shipping those out again. Very excited. Yay. Uh, yeah, so patreon.com slash podcast. Check all the, all the tiers and rewards we have there. It really helps us make the show. Thank you so much. We absolutely love you. Also, if you're looking for a place to listen to the show, can we suggest Rooster Teeth? Bow, bow, bow. You can go to roosterteeth.com or you can go get the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your fucking Xbox, your mobile device, everywhere. Check out all the awesome shows that we have there. Um, go check out uh, anything that Funhouse has done this year. It's been really good. I've been enjoying Red Web. Ooh, Red Web is killer. Red Web just did an episode on five people disappearing in Northern California, and it is wrecking my brain, and I have not been able to think about anything since, so go check that out. Oh, my God. I wonder if it's the story that I think it is. I'm going to have to go talk to them. Anyway, yeah, go check out all that awesome stuff. Uh, go check out the Funhouse podcast that we did with Paige Wesley. Um, and then go check out our show, which is obviously the best out of all of them, and everyone else can go fuck themselves. Kaka! Hell yeah, we're catty as hell. We're uh, birdie. We're birdie as hell. We're birdie as hell. Anyway, yeah, thank you uh, to Rooster Teeth for supporting us. Thank you to the Patreon members for supporting us. We love all of you. Um, and I think without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Kaka! Kaka! For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... The uh, the great Christmas sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, missed flights, sickness, mm-hmm, Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all the makings of the best Christmas. Yeah. So, uh, as some of you might know, I missed my flight to uh, Minneapolis. Um, and then I showed up in Minneapolis and I thought that I had gotten COVID because everyone 
that we know <laughs> basically is getting COVID right now. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that I'm just very allergic to cats. Uh, oh, no. What? Yeah. Oh, no, dude. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because I know how much you like cats. Oh, I love cats. I love them so much. I just want them to love me back. And it turns out that they slowly destroy me from the inside. Um <laughs> So I've been dying for the past week, uh, but I've also been here in Minneapolis spending time with my mom, and it's been really nice. Um, and yeah, it's been a solid Christmas. I've spent most of it inside, coughing, sneezing, <laughs> learning about the, the, the Nazis and Hitler's uh, young adulthood while mm. on a bunch of cough medicine. What I'm mm-hmm. trying to say and warn you about is that this episode gets off the rails so fucking fast, okay? Yes, immediately. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's going to be one of the funnest but also weirdest episodes I think that we've done in a while. Uh, and we have NyQuil and time zone changes to thank for that so <laughs> uh, cool. yeah i'm recording this from a hotel mm-hmm. in in a robe because i refuse to be bothered and i am i am living a life of christmas leisure and cookies and i love it i absolutely love this for you um it's mm-hmm. not a bit you are truly no. uh in mm-hmm. a robe in a hotel yes. room in a very comfy robe yes it looks mm-hmm. good thank you no it might snow here this week. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to snow here today. Mm-hmm. Um, people might not be able to see me. Well, people might not. People definitely <laughs> they can't They definitely can't. It's an audio medium. Yeah. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. Is that my How's brain, that cough medicine, bro? <laughs> my brain is still broken and being put together uh, second by second. Um, I'm sorry. I've been fucking snorting lines of cat for all week. All right. So <laughs> Same, I'll, but that's my norm. <laughs> so I'm a little out there, but... Uh, yeah, I, I I haven't been able to shave or get a haircut or really take care of myself, so I've just become full blown mountain man, Minnesota Armando, um, oh, and I love it. Oh yeah, you know. I so I started when I got here. I started trying to do the Minnesota accent, uh, mm-hmm. and weirdly enough, you know how when you're trying to do an accent you find a phrase that like gets you into it. Like when I was trying uh-huh. to do an Australian accent, I would say Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. And that would like help me sort of get mm. into it. I've accidentally found a phrase and it's so stupid and it's a line from succession. Uh, <laughs> and it, it gets me into not it's not a Midwestern accent. I've realized okay. it's like uh-huh. a, a country Canadian okay. accent. Oh, interesting. Um, All right. And the sentence is, uh, did your dad update you? And then once I do that, I can get into this accent up here, right? <laughs> dad update you? I mean, yeah, I guess. Did your dad yeah. update you? It gets you into the syllables and it allows you to say it. What I really like about the accent is that everything is like up at the end of the sentence. But it's yeah, not... Like everything is a question? Right. But it's not like just a question, right? It's like everything goes up like it's a little bit of optimism, which is great mm. because that's kind of like mm. the Canadian thing, right? Is that we... Uh, you win Australian very yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. It always fucking skews. I gotta get into it. It's did your dad update you? That's what it is. <laughs> it's a fucking line that Tom Wamsgam says. It's not important to the plot, but he says, "Does your dad update you?" And I've been doing that to get into the accent for the entire time. Nice. 
country nice. Canadian. And now sometimes I get so into it, I can't turn it off. And I'm just like oh, no. walking around doing it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah. So this is my life. Uh, sorry for spending so much time up top talking about it. Um, I am finally ready to unveil mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, sick-brained masterpiece that is episode three of our, of our series on the Nazis. Cannot wait. So excited. So... Our sources for this episode uh, are Mein Kampf uh, by Adolf Hitler. We have Hitler, A Study in Tyranny by Alan Bullock. We have The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by William L. Schreier. We have The Mind of Adolf Hitler by Walter C. Langer. And finally, we have Hitler by Ian Kershaw. Um, We covered this last week. All the books on Hitler are just named Hitler. And then some variation of he was a real bad guy. So <laughs> real bastard, real bastard, that guy. Yeah. Um, so in our last episode, we covered the horniest family in Austria, mm-hmm. uh, the weirdest villain origin story and the many rejections that helped turn Adolf Hitler into the man that we all know and hate today. And when we left a man whose dad fucked his niece <laughs> and or, openly admitted to it or, or his cousin. His cousin, but both of those are not great. No, 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 no. And whose father-in-law was either his grandfather or his uncle. Um, both yeah, of them Yeah, a family tree that would make Alabama blush. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. When we left off, Hitler had just enlisted in the Bavarian army at the start of World War I. Now, there are countless books, movies, and real-life stories about how horrific the Great War was. From chemical weapons to your own trenches, it felt like everything was trying to kill you. But for Adolf, the Antichrist of Austria, it was a dream come true. Um, According to him, World War I was, and this is a direct quote, the greatest of all experiences. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. That's like somebody being like, 9-11 was the best day. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? It's, Stop yeah, it. It makes no sense. It's so, And it's, it's contrarian, too. Because, like, even back then, people were getting diseases that were specific to World War One. Like, yes. there was a disease that was just called trench foot. All right? Like, it's the absolute worst thing that could have happened. And he's like... Great time. Loved it. Had a fucking blast, y'all. Great time. My shoes stayed wet. My socks stayed wet. My skin sloughed off. My feet got infected. Mm-hmm. Best time. Have a great summer. See you next war. <laughs> so throughout his life, Adolf had kind of just existed, uh, but now he had a clear purpose. He was fighting alongside his German brethren to bring glory to the motherland. In his head, he was on the way to becoming a hero. Now, Adolf's military career is kind of a weird subject. On one hand, he was said to be the perfect soldier. In fact, during his service, he was awarded over six medals and was promoted a handful of times. But on the other hand, the war that Hitler saw wasn't really the same war that everyone else saw. Um, Adolf Hitler was basically a messenger boy. He was essentially a human telephone. (laughs) 
Good. Um, Sorry. <laughs> like I hate, I hate saying good, but every time we reveal that he is nothing of what he claimed to be, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love being like, actually, the person you love was a fucking loser. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, the guy who was uh, Adolf Hitler, you know, Adolf Hitler, the guy who becomes, well, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> He yeah. was essentially the human version of a text message. And I it just mm, I absolutely love that. <laughs> it's so perfect. I, now I'm just picturing Adolf Hitler having to deliver like drunk sex messages. <laughs> just like, Yavol, you up? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he did like a full oil painting of a guy's dick because they needed to send a dick pic. <laughs> they needed to send a dick pic. <laughs> I put it next to this Coca-Cola can for size. Um, <laughs> I totally didn't draw the Coca-Cola can smaller. <laughs> I don't know what that accent was. It was like a Jamaican, know. but I don't know. Really bad. Ugh. Jamaican by way of Canada. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I just got one question to ask you, um, Paige. Uh, did your dad update you? <laughs> Uh, so while most soldiers lived in the trenches, uh, Hitler was stationed miles from the front. He lived in what was described as, quote, relative comfort and spoke and spent most of his time goofing off with his fellow messengers. Uh, they love to tell dirty stories, although the particular smutty parts always made Hitler blush. Apparently he was kind of like shy about sex or whatever which is weird seeing as how his family is a bunch of freaks baby <laughs> calm down having a goof <laughs> <laughs> uh they like to work on their art and at one point hitler even adopted a dog that he named lil fox i mean that's cute cute yeah question mark yeah it was cute that part's not i don't like saying anything about hitler is cute but mm -hmm. this one thing is kind of <laughs> let's say it's about the dog and not about hitler of course yeah the dog is cute that's the what dog named itself and that mm -hmm. was cute if you're gonna quote Paige wesley make sure that you no. get the quote right you say hitler's dog was cute is what Paige wesley said yes yes um yeah she said if anything is cute about hitler <laughs> it's that it's dog. that dog yeah look as bad as the war was adolf was basically living in an episode of fucking mash all right i mean for god's sake the regiment had a canine mascot that hitler himself described as quote a proper circus dog like it did tricks it rolled over it played dead honestly it probably would have been a better messenger than adolf hitler himself like it was a good dog that dog glued horns onto regular whales and tried to keep it in a pool in his basement so many times. <laughs> Sorry, that was a P.T. Barnum joke. Oh, I love it. Uh, but that's not to say that Adolf didn't ever face any of the horrors of war. In October of 1918, Hitler was injured in a mustard gas attack and sent home to recover. Oh, shit. Ironically, getting temporarily blinded allowed him to finally see the truth. See, Adolf believed that he was a brave hero fighting to restore his people to greatness. He thought that when he returned to Germany, they'd be like throwing fucking parades in his honor and like everyone would want to like buy him around and stuff. He thought that he was going to come home a hero. Um, but back home, people weren't super jazzed about the war. 
back then, civilians were seen as fair game. So Britain alone had dropped over 660 tons of explosives in major German cities, and the Allied blockades prevented the distribution of basic supplies like food. Through starvation, or straight up just acts of war, over 760,000 German civilians were killed during World War I. Damn. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, a lot of people began to feel like they were dying for a war that they didn't even want. So trust in the Kaiser was running thin, and anti-war protests were becoming more and more common, and it absolutely disgusted Adolf. But things just kept getting worse for the bedridden soldier. In November... Ketchup gas? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to make relish mace work. I don't know how to do it. Uh, I think it's relish grenades. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I do, I mean, 700,000 is so many. I mean, it's a lot less than 6 million. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's yeah. a lot of people. It's, it, it's, um... It sucks. It sucks that, yes. that, you know, it sucks that this war happened at all. Uh, but it, yeah. even, it sucks even more that, like, you know, a lot of these people were, for the most part, innocent. They didn't want to have anything to do with the war. Yeah, they're just course. trying to do their shit and they die. And I'm not saying, you know. Yeah, they're just eating regular condiments. They don't want any gas in exactly, their condiments. Exactly. Exactly. Most yeah. people are fine with the Dijon mustard. It's spicy enough. Yeah. I don't need the gas. Gas mustard. Yeah, it's too much. It's too and much. like I know they're trying to do this whole like macrobiology mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. gastrobiology, but like just, you know, give me regular beer and regular mustard. I don't want to have to inhale my vodka, okay? Yeah. I don't care about your IPA or your gas mustard, you fucking hipster. <laughs> gas mustard does sound like the name of like a fucking food truck that would be somewhere in downtown LA. Yeah, where they're like, all of our mustard's a foam. And you're like, why did you make good things bad? Yeah. <laughs> so in November of 1918, Germany surrendered to the Allied forces. Adolf received the news from a pastor and was said to have been so shocked that he suffered a second bout of blindness. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a fucking drama queen. All right. The dude loves to exaggerate. <laughs> well, but he... <laughs> This sounds terrible. He loves to go blind. Oh, he but loves like, it. Now I'm trying to think of like what news would be shocking enough for me to go blind with shock. Um, uh, oof. Let's see. Henry Cavill single and looking for bread milf. <laughs> bread milf. <laughs> and then I'd go blind, so I wouldn't be able to tell if it was Henry Cavill. No. Or not. Oh. No. <laughs> uh, oh man yeah yeah i think yours would be like kanye downstairs yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly i was gonna <laughs> i was just about to say it's stupid how much easier it is to make me blind <laughs> just like weed free or whatever oh, oh god Whoa. <laughs> weed free <laughs> yeah and i would just oh. freak out oh my god 
So over the next year, Adolf and the rest of Germany were horrified to see the effects of the Treaty of Versailles. The agreement put the blame for World War I solely on the Germans, forced to forced them to give up a ton of land, and also required them to pay the equivalent of a modern 800 billion American dollars in reparations. Jeez. Yeah, I don't think I need to say this, but paying that back is physically impossible for a country. Yeah. 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 I mean, shit. Yeah, that's impossible. Yeah, especially when they're giving their weed away for free. Hey, Bezos, we noticed that you haven't paid your taxes. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, the country went bankrupt. And then they tried simply printing more money, but that caused an insane amount of hyperinflation. Uh, For example, before the treaty, a loaf of bread cost 163 German marks. After the treaty, that same loaf of bread was selling for over 1.5 million. Jeez. Holy shit. And like, I mean, we experienced such a small amount of this at the beginning of pandemic mm-hmm. where like people didn't have, there was no bread because mm-hmm. uh, it was also that. And the amount of mania <laughs> that happened then, I can only imagine if suddenly bread was so unaffordable that no one had it. And to be honest, I'm sure the ingredients for bread equally unaffordable. And so like, we couldn't even pull a, a pandemic page of like, fuck it, I'm making all of our bread, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, that's the other thing is like it, the inflation that happened was so extreme that paper money as a whole just became worthless. Like people started yeah. burning money to keep warm. It was more useful to like use it as insulation or to like use it to line your coat for warmth or something than it was mm-hmm. to actually spend it on stuff. It's insane. It's an insane amount of inflation. So Germany was in shambles. Its citizens were once again feeling punished for a war that they didn't ask for. And the new ineffective government was at best completely useless and at worst actively agreeing to punishments that would permanently hurt the country. But somehow it seemed like everyone involved was caught off guard. How could the defeat of World War I be such a surprise? Well... By the end of World War I, Germany was essentially a military dictatorship run by the last Kaiser and his two advisors. Uh, Those were General Hindenburg and General Ludendorff. Um, These guys are kind of important, so just remember this a little bit, uh, but it'll probably come more into play next week. Okay. So uh, General Hindenburg and General Ludendorff ran a pretty great early game, hitting the Allied forces hard and fast. Um, basically, their secret was to think of soldiers not as people, but as expendable numbers that you could throw at an enemy. Oh, no. This sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great way to initially start winning a war, but it's a bad way to sustainably win a war. Uh, So they were completely unprepared for the late entry of an overpowered, isolated country by the name of America. Yeah, that is kind of how we do. Yeah, we come in in the 11th hour and we're like, oh, what's that? You guys need help? And then we're just kicking a bunch of weak people that have just been had their asses. Who've been at war for a while. Yeah, (coughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're just like, we want it. Check the stats. And you're like. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how that works. Really, honestly, if you're an American, the best way to explain this is like, imagine a game of football and in the last two minutes of the game, a new quarterback comes in, scores one touchdown and is like, MVP, I did it. It's me. I did it. It's Yeah, it would be like if Tom Brady didn't play mm-hmm. an entire game and then just came in in the last quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And then just fucking spiked the ball and was like, hey, Florida, I heard bread costs 1.5 million, you dipshits. <laughs> or whatever. I've lost what? I've lost the uh, the analogy. <laughs> Me no understand sports ball. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. You can ask your father. And afterwards, I'll ask you if your dad <laughs> updated you. Um, if your dad updated you? It's like if you're on Great British Bake Off uh-huh. and you have not been on the show uh-huh. for 12 episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in like the fi- like the finale, they introduce you and you are a professional baker. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, congratulations, compete with everyone. <laughs> Honestly, the more we do this analogy, I kind of love America's position. Like that's kind of <laughs> badass to just come in right at the end and then take all of the credit. Oh, God. We're great. We're the kid. We're like the exchange kid that comes into class and gets put into a group project right in the last day. And then as gets they're an presenting yeah. it. And we're like, yeah. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> Go America. Anyway, after the Ottoman Empire and Austria Hungary were defeated, it became clear that failure was inevitable. But the only people who knew were the Kaiser and his two generals. And during the war, they had complete control over the press and demanded that newspapers only ran stories about German victories and pro-war sentiments. But with the end rapidly approaching and socialist anti-war protests gaining popularity, the Kaiser and his generals realized that it was time to get the fuck out of Dodge. So they came up with a killer idea. Instead of remaining in power and taking full blame for the war that they... um, basically caused and then lost yeah Yeah. uh they pretended to cave in to the protesters and turn germany into a civilian run government meaning Mm. that the german politicians in charge of negotiating and signing the treaty weren't the ones who led the country into war they were brand new leaders with liberal and socialist ideas so they completely took the blame while the kaiser and his generals got off scot-free And this is pretty fucking sneaky, right? Well, this scheme is the reason that we have the stabbed in the back myth. After the war, Adolf and a lot of other Germans became staunch believers in uh, what, again, what we call the stabbed in the back myth. He claimed that Germany was undefeated in the battlefield, according to those fucking newspapers, remember, Um, And that the only reason the country was defeated was because of the Jews and communists that he saw protesting the war. Or, as Hitler called them, the November criminals. Cool. So it's kind of like in our country where people are like, Donald Trump didn't lose. The votes were stolen by illegal immigrants in California. Great. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Uh, that's reducing my stress level a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's a lie. It is not. I'm going to have to bake a lot more bread to feel better. It's pretty upsetting how when you start researching a lot of Hitler's life, it's like, oh, wow, that sounds real familiar from Donald Trump's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty suck. It's It's awful. And I hate it. But Hitler wasn't just mad. He wanted revenge. And in July of 1919, at the age of 30, he'd get his opportunity. 
Since the Bavarian army had been disbanded, many German soldiers were reassigned to new positions. And because Adolf was known to be able to secretly carry messages from one place to another, he was given a special new job. Secret agent. Oh, God. Yep. Just because he could like put messages in his butt and get them across lines <laughs> or whatever he did. Doesn't mean we should make him a secret agent. He's not James Bond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like uh, if they... What if Hitler was the new Bond, though? <laughs> I'm the name's Hitler. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Adolf Hitler. I gotta say, I like your figure. Are you Jewish? Because that's kind of a deal breaker for me. <laughs> oh, God. That'd be terrible. I like it shaken, not Jewish. <laughs> but also accurate yeah it's just it's awful so secret (laughs) secret agent hitler was tasked with uh infiltrating new political groups to suss out communists who might be trying to overthrow the new democratic government because the leaders of uh germany may have been socialists but that doesn't mean that they wanted to give up their newfound power um, again, if you want a deeper dive into this subject, check out our Antifa episode because I really go deep into the Weimar Republic and like the socialists who took over and a bunch of other shit. Um, but I've already covered that and I didn't want to do it. So that's why you get this weird ass episode. Um, <laughs> that, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we're, uh, we're like 27 minutes into it and, uh, we haven't even approached the craziest shit yet. <laughs> So, uh, Adolf's first assignment was to infiltrate a group called the German Workers' Party, which, if you're looking for communists, that name is throwing up a huge red flag. Boom! Mm -hmm. That's a communism joke, baby! Oh, (laughs) I hope I was able to sickle your funny bone, comrade. Oh! (laughs) You might think I'm using communism jokes to fill time, but that would just be stalling. Oh! Extra marks for that one. Oh, good lord! Good lord! Sorry, Paige. I'm just well read. Is this the cold medicine portion of the episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it completely right. There are times (laughs) where I don't remember writing things down. And I would just go back and see them and highlight it. And there's a note next to it that just says, I don't know what this is, but I hope it's good. (laughs) Brought to you by NyQuil. Oh, God. Yeah, so I wrote down all of, all of those, all of those <laughs> communism jokes, please. Um, and also, yeah, at the time that this story takes place, any of those jokes would have gotten me beaten up, uh, either by secret agent Hitler's comrades in the Reichswehr or by their angrier, more underground contemporaries in the Free Corps. Um, again, if you are interested in the free cores and all of this secret shit, uh, you should go peep that Antifa episode because we cover them at length. In the summer of 1919, Adolf set off on his first mission. And infiltrating a potential communist cell, planning a power grab, wasn't going to be easy. You couldn't just waltz in and ask to become a member. Except you totally could. He just approached the group at a meeting and was immediately allowed inside. It was, it's insane. Um, yeah, it, it sounds like our Facebook group has more barriers to entry than this does. Oh, absolutely. At this point in time, our Facebook group now was more successful than the German Workers' Party. Um, Hitler was made a party member number 555. 
but it turns out that the intel that the government had on the group was, to put it lightly, total horseshit. Uh, first of all, there weren't 500 members. Membership in the German Workers' Party started at number 501 to make the party seem bigger than it was. So there were 55 members. Uh, yes, there were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Secondly, the term party was more on point than people realized. Um, the German Workers' Party was essentially a bunch of railway workers who met up after work at a bar to complain about how the Jewish elites were the real reason that Germany lost World War I. Uh, basically, this is what shitheads had to do before Facebook was a thing. You remember, like, if you ever wanted to, like, sell a couch, make a friend, or, like, shit on the Jews, you used to have to do that shit in person. So, <laughs> you know, thanks, oh, Mark no. Zuckerberg. I mean... This kind of reminds me of a scene in Fiddler on the Roof where Tevia basically has all these friends at the bar and then they kind of like turn on him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so that's exactly what happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the GWP, they weren't far left socialists. They were actually far right fascists. Hitler's orders were to move on to the next group of potential commies, but he couldn't seem to get the GWP out of his head. For the first time since the war, he had found a sense of brotherhood. These fascists wanted to return Germany to greatness just like he did, and he thought that he would be an idiot not to stick around. By the spring of 1920, Adolf's life had completely changed. He was now working for the GWP full-time as the head of propaganda, where his work didn't go unnoticed. Through his speeches at beer halls and back rooms, Hitler had taken membership of the party from a little over 50 to over 6,000 people. Damn. Yeah. As much of a piece of shit as Hitler was, he was really glowing up in this time period. Like, he was doing a good job at... Um, at being a racist. So uh, maybe not a good mm -hmm. job. Maybe don't quote me as saying a good job. This is like he the cute dog thing again. An efficient job yeah. at being a racist. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He was a... Like, if it was a race, he would be the most racist yes. racist. Absolutely. He would be in first place and also a huge racist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he owed all of his success to his new mentor and fellow GWP member... Dietrich Eckhart. Now, even today, we see two types of far-right racists. A majority of them are angry and misinformed. They're looking for somebody to blame for their shitty lives, and racism seems to be the easiest option. This is like, you know, your fucking shitty uncle or like the mill workers who are like racist because they don't understand urbanization. You know, it's it's like the general shitty dude. That's like that type of person. Mm -hmm. Um then there are the full-blown redneck meth heads uh, who are all the way off the rails conspiracy theorists that believe in a shadow government organized by reptiles. Dietrich Eckhart was that kind of dude. Oh, no. He was 21 years older than Hitler, and he had lived every one of those years to the max. Uh, Dietrich Eckhart was born in 1868 to a super wealthy and well-off family. Although even daddy's money couldn't keep him out of trouble. 
supposedly he was kicked out of almost every school in Bavaria by the time <laughs> he was 10 years old. Wonderful. He's a real fucking asshole. And when he was 27, his parents passed away and suddenly this asshole became incredibly rich. But he did the stupidest thing possible with his newfound wealth. He spent it all on college. Um, oh. Yeah. So many of us have fallen victim to that trap. Well, here's the thing. Uh, sort of. Because, and again, prepare for twists and turns. Um, it never goes the way you think it will with Dietrich <laughs> Dietrich enrolled in law school, not because he wanted to be a lawyer, but because being a student was the only way to be accepted into the student corps, a sort of fraternity where college dudes would get fucking hammered and then fence against each other. Um, he just wanted an excuse to fight somebody with a sword and get drunk on beer. The dude loves to party. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, uh, I'm not going to lie. If you came to Paige in college and were like, do you want drinks and like foam swords mm -hmm. to hit people with? I would have been like, absolutely, I do. Yeah. So like, I kind of get it. Yeah. Not the racist part, but the swords and the drunkenness. Yes. After law school got boring, he started studying medicine. Again, not because he wanted to be a doctor or anything. He just needed a steady supply of morphine because he was desperately addicted to morphine. Um, I mean, technically he did study medicine. It was just one specific medicine over and over again. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by the time he was 31, Dietrich was dead broke. He decided to make use of his wild ass life and became a hugely successful playwright and the artistic director of the Prussian Royal Theater. This isn't even a bit. Almost all of his plays were autobiographical and people loved him because homeboy is out of his fucking mind. <laughs> he sounds like... So one time on Mean Boys, they played a Florida Man or Hunter S. Thompson game. Okay. And, and all of the answers were under S. Thompson, basically. Like, like that dude's life was so fucking nuts that that's why he's still famous. Yeah. And I feel like this is going a lot of the same way. Yeah, this guy is uh, very much the same in the same uh, sort of general thing. He lived a crazy fucking life and then he just wrote a bunch of stories about his crazy fucking life, turned them into plays, and people were like... Yo, this shit is crazy. <laughs> um, case in point, he was once forced to take a sabbatical for a couple of years because he challenged someone to an illegal duel and then murdered them in the street. Uh, at this time, duels had been illegal for like 200 years or something. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't go to jail for straight up murder because technically the other guy did agree to a duel. So it's this weird thing where, like, it is illegal, but it's not full-blown murder, so you're just going to spend mm -hmm. a couple years in jail. Um, he went to jail, got out, and then immediately dropped his masterpiece like he was Bobby fucking Shmurda. All right? <laughs> but, as it so often does, jail turned this wiry white guy into a bit of an anti-Semite. Oh, no. So Dietrich's masterpiece, the one that he dropped when he got out, 
was essentially an adaptation of a famous Norwegian play called Peer Gint. And you might be asking yourself, hey, how can a play be an adaptation of another play? Well, the OG version of Peer Gint wasn't meant to be performed. It was written without regard for the limitations of theater at that point in time. Um, okay. It was a script that was supposed to be read and imagined. Hmm. Yeah. So basically some fucking Norwegian dude wrote the world's first movie script. And uh, I don't even know how to deal with how happy this makes me. <laughs> 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 he just opens it and it's Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it's like, how? What? Why? Yeah. So, um, okay. So, Dietrich adapted the script into a live performance that supposedly kept uh, the dreamy quality and quick cuts that the original script intended. Again, this is a time when everyone is doing stuff in play form. You know, that's how you're mm -hmm. able to do scripts. You do scripts so that they can be turned into plays. Um, the guy who wrote Pierre Gint, he was basically writing stage direction that was like, we look at a gate and the gate is like open and blowing in the wind. You know, he was writing like scenes mm. that should be in a movie. It's, it's actually kind of crazy how uh, different it was. And it was important to telling the story that he wanted to tell. So Dietrich turned this Ooh. script into a live performance. Um, however... He did take some pretty drastic liberties with the story's theme. And I wanted to explain them to you. Um, so strap in because, okay. <laughs> believe it or not, I stayed up until five in the morning reading <laughs> the play. <laughs> Both of them. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I was able to find a translated version of the original Norwegian play. And I was able to find a supposed version of Dietrich Eckhart's uh changed version of the play and um it is fucking ridiculous i'm not kidding you they actually might be the world's first rom-com what i mean i'm sure there were rom-com plays before that but like yeah it might be the first romantic comedy written in in sort of like a movie script format though so what you're telling me is like this is like the first Hallmark movie. Like Absolutely. you know, there there have been rom coms for since pre Shakespeare or whatever, but what you're telling me is this is like as we understand a film rom com, that's what we're getting. Absolutely. So Paige, welcome oh to a mini oh episode okay. of Romancing the Pod. Yay! Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Pierre Gint is basically a 20-year-old Ryan Reynolds. He's always Ooh. cracking jokes. You're never sure if he's lying, but God damn it if he isn't one smooth motherfucker. Ooh, okay, but, okay. But there's at least one gal who didn't find him charming. His ex-girlfriend. And guess Ooh. what? She's getting married. <gasps> she strikes me as a Rachel McAdams. <laughs> So, Pierre shows up at the wedding, hoping to win her back, but before he can even try, he has a meet-cute with another guest, a hot piece of ass named Solvig. Pierre- I'm going to say Emma Stone. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I can see it. 
Okay. 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 All, right, all right. All right. All right. Pierre asks Solvik to dance, but his reputation precedes him. They kind of flirt for a bit, and then they part ways for the night. She's basically like, um, "This is straight up Bridgerton, and I'm loving it." She's basically like, "Aren't you the guy that uh, kind of ruined the bride's life for a bit?" And he's like, <laughs> "Nah, baby, <laughs> I'm trying to ruin your life for a bit." Yeah. It's me, the Duke of Hastings, here to ruin your life, innocent Solvik. Yeah, and your pussy. Yes. So after that, he gets fucking hammered, gets into a fist fight with the groom, and then finds out that the bride is having a bit of cold feet. So he slides into her DMs, and the two of them fuck it out in the mountains. They basically leave the wedding, go have sex, uh, and then after busting a nut and achieving post-cum clarity, Pierre realizes what he actually wants to do with his life. He's going to become king of the world. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, honestly, that's the most orgasm-inspired idea I've ever heard of. In fact... (laughs) Usually, I'm just like, what if we had toast? (laughs) I mean, to me, it even sounds like something that Ryan Reynolds would actually say when he comes, right? Like, I'm going to be king of the world! (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, Pierre decides to convince a troll king to marry off his princess daughter so that he can become a king. Uh, They go over a lengthy contract, which is gross and sexist, but honestly, it's something Ryan Reynolds could have been in when he was 20. So, of course, it's problematic. So and also, I'm going to say the Troll King is played by Danny DeVito. Oh, absolutely. During this contract dispute, Pierre changes his mind and decides that he doesn't want to become a king if it means that he has to become a troll. Unfortunately, troll bodies work differently from human bodies. Um, and somehow Pierre was able to impregnate the troll princess with his mind. So he tells the, he paid the troll toll is what you're saying. Yeah. He got into that troll's hole, but it was mental. Oh, geez. Apparently it's one of those things where like even him thinking about fucking the troll princess was enough to like get her pregnant or something. It's like the thought and intent or wow, I I, I don't know. That part's a little confusing. There's a Star Trek episode like that. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So he basically tells the trolls that he's going out for a pack of smokes and then just abandons (laughs) his new family. (laughs) Except that because it's like trolls and stuff, I'm imagining he's going out for like a pack of Gandalf pipes. (laughs) Exactly. So this is sounding more and more like The Witcher. And I'm kind of in it. I'm digging yeah. it. I'm here for I'm it. I'm saying we should make an adaptation, a modern adaptation. I'm down to write it. So yeah, I think by Ryan Reynolds you meant Philip Vandrel. <laughs> what? That's just for the. That's just for Witcher people. That's fine. So Pierre and Solvig reconnect. They fall in love, and eventually they settle down. Until surprise, the troll princess shows up with a half-human, half-troll baby, and is like, "Guess what? You gotta be a fucking dad now." Seeing this fucked up baby, this like half troll, half human baby, (laughs) it freaks Pierre out and he takes it as a sign that he's not meant to have a relationship. So he abandons his baby mama and his new wife in order to focus on his career. 
That's right. They hate to see a guy boss winning. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Focus on that <laughs> no, career, man. Unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary. But I do want to see this made as a <laughs> Go ahead. So for the rest of the play, he travels the world. He builds up a fortune. He loses that fortune. And then he builds back up that fortune again, um, which is kind of... It's you're starting to see why Dietrich could relate to the character, right? It's yeah, it's been a crazy guy who goes rich, poor, rich, poor. Um, yeah, eventually in the story, Pierre does become king. Unfortunately, it is of a psych ward filled with people whose perception of reality has become so warped that they all live in their own little world. This fool wrote Shutter Island? Yeah. It's like every awesome movie put together. <laughs> what the fuck? We're not even okay. okay. So the lesson here is supposed to be that he's only fit to become king if everyone is so self-absorbed that reality doesn't matter anymore. So he returns to his home village as an old man without any worldly possessions, but finds that life there has gone on without him. His ex got married, uh, the one that he fucked at the beginning, um, and mm. she lived a long and happy life and then passed away. His mother also passed away. I mean, fucking obviously, because this dude is old Time. as shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's one person for whom life hasn't moved on. Solvig. No, Solvig, you could have done so much better. Believe in yourself. That's right. She pulled uh, The Notebook. So, no. Pierre realizes that his true empire was here with Solvig, but he missed it. And he owns nothing but unsung songs, unwept tears, and unanswered questions because he never faced his problems, um, which means that in Norwegian culture, he was never really a person. I don't understand Norwegian folklore hmm. all the way. Uh, but the twist ending is that he didn't want to become a troll, but he actually did because of his uh, inability to ever face his problems head on. Basically, in the story, anytime he has a problem, like anytime somebody shows up and they're like, you got to raise your child or like you got to be a husband or like you got to be a king and protect these crazy people. He's like, no, nah, I'm a dip out. See you later. Bye. Mm. Which honestly sounds mm. like a really boring story, but I love it because he gets into a thousand different uh i'm kind of i'm digging it i'm I'm thinking i maybe want alexander skarsgård mm -hmm, instead mm -hmm. of ryan reynolds Ooh. you know just like keep it keep it authentic yeah. but you know yeah mm -hmm. so it's a pretty solid movie i'd watch it on netflix eight out of ten um absolutely however mm -hmm. dietrich eckhart had a few uh different interpretations of the script in his version the trolls were stand-ins for jewish people Oh, no, just like Harry Potter. Yeah. And uh, also, pretty much every character that Peer dicks over also somehow became a troll, too. Um, it also happens that in this new version, Peer is a lot more violent towards the trolls. So Dietrich is killing younglings like Anakin Skywalker. Is what oh, you're yeah. Not just the men trolls, but the women trolls and the children trolls, too. The whole troll's world. Oh, this is bad. So Dietrich took a satire about what it means to live a life and turned it into a play about a German hero who fights back against the concept of quote unquote Jewishness. 
Oh, no. But the real kicker was the changed ending. In the original version, Pierre recognizes his mistakes and accepts his fate as a troll slash broken person. He fucked up and he's not sure that he can make it right. But in Dietrich's version, all of those fucked up things were done against trolls, a.k.a. the Jews. So in his mind, it was completely excusable and the only ending that made sense was making Pierre the undisputed king of the world. Because in Dietrich's mind, the ends justified the means. Jeez. Oh, no. This is literally the backbone for how Nazis would later explain away a ton of their crimes to the soldiers that would be committing them. This is an introduction to the play uh, that Dietrich gave. This is these are Dietrich Eckhart's own words. And I want you to remember that every time Dietrich mentions trolls, he is actually talking about Jewish people. So here's the quote. It is by German nature, the capability of self-sacrifice itself, that the world will heal and find its way back to the pure divine, but only after a bloody war of annihilation against the united army of trolls. Wow. Oh no. Yeah. So this is the dude who is mentoring a young Adolf Hitler. (laughs) Um, There might be no one more influential to the Hitler myth than Dietrich Eckhart. See, Dietrich wasn't just a founding member of the German Workers' Party. He's also a client. (laughs) You're going to like the racism you have. He guarantees it. He was also a founding member of something called the Thule Society. Yes, yeah. this is my favorite weird thing about Nazis. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty. Sh- That's a weird thing to say. I. I get oh yeah. It. I get yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. That's been me this entire series. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that we've covered the Thule Society before, but in case you need a refresher, it was a German secret society that claimed that white Europeans came from an ancient race called the Aryans. Um, And in order to be a member, you had to prove that you were definitely not from a Jewish or colored family. Uh, When they mean color, they mean any color that wasn't white. These guys were super fucking racist. Mm -hmm. So the point of the Thule Society um, was to prove that folklore was real. Uh, and I've yep. done a lot of research into sort of why the Thule Society and other groups like it were becoming a thing. So at this point in time, archaeology and the study of artifacts and ancient civilizations was becoming uh, uh, sort of like a big thing. Previously, before that, the, the, the way that we believed history worked was just by telling each other folklore if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like right before this period of time, they used to just tell people like, yeah, I don't know, like a giant man came from the ground and then he like fucked a tree or something. And that's why we have like birds or whatever, you know, that's just how they would explain shit away. And everyone said that that was okay. But now that they're doing archeology span and finding artifacts and sort of discovering what society was like before people lived uh, or before modern people lived anyway, um, there was this emerging thought that folklore was all based on real shit and the Thule Society, their entire idea was that white Europeans came from this non-existent ancient race called the Aryans 
uh, and that they were going to find all of the necessary proof to prove it and then use that to sort of set up a tiered system for living where geniuses, a.k.a. white people, would be on top and then uh, on the bottom were the Jews. Um, if it sounds crazy and like it doesn't make sense, that's good uh, because it doesn't. And it's, it's <laughs> insane. Dietrich and the Thule Society, though, had a belief in what they called the German Messiah. Um, they believed that all German folklore pointed to the fact that the next coming of the Messiah would be a German man. So everyone in the Thule Society is basically waiting for German Jesus who would come and lead Germany to greatness. And um, I don't know if I have to say this, but do you want to take a wild guess at who Dietrich yeah. Eckhart thought was the German Messiah? Jeez. Oh, no. Yeah. So in July of 1921, by the recommendation of Dietrich Eckhart, Adolf Hitler became the leader of the German Workers' Party. According to his mentor, it was time for Adolf to fulfill his destiny. Only he wasn't taking over as party chairman. He and Dietrich had invented a new title. Adolf Hitler was now known as the Fuhrer. And his first order of business was a rebranding for the group. He changed the German Workers' Party into the National Socialist German Workers' Party. Or for short, the Nazis. He also introduced the group's new goal, a violent and bloody coup. But it's okay, because for the German Messiah, the ends justify the means. And that is where we will pick up next week with the next part of our episode on Adolf Hitler and the fucking Nazis. Yay! That is fascinating. I do, I feel like I need to see this play at some point in oh, my yeah. life. I am fascinated. Oh my God. Yeah. So um, I've been watching a bunch of like documentaries and videos on Hitler's life and like explanations of occult background shit. Um, nothing that I've ever listened to goes over the entire plot of Pierre Gint. So yeah, we might be covering the Nazis a little bit differently. Uh, but I'm having a blast and hopefully the next episode is going to be mo more coherent. I'm sorry that I am fighting through this is pretty coherent. sick brain and NyQuil. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, God. I really did do that, though. I stayed up until five in the morning and read two plays. <laughs> Why did I do that? It's worth it. It's worth it because now I have a new rabbit hole to fall down. So I'm just glad. Can you tell Mikey and Todd that I I did a a, a fucking oh, what are they called a flash mob version of romancing the pod without them? <laughs> Just like randomly into another episode of Cult Podcast. Yeah. Well, Todd will find out because he listens. Mikey doesn't because he thinks podcasts are a dying medium. Like, <laughs> it's a long story. Oh, I love Mikey. I I I don't agree with Mikey because I run podcasts, uh, but yeah. I do also not listen to podcasts. So, uh, oh man, this was such a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
we're setting up a bunch of shit. The next episode is probably going to yada yada over some stuff uh, as we sort of cover mm-hmm. Hitler's rise to power. Um, In part because we covered it on the Antifa episodes. Exactly. Well. We've covered it multiple different times before for different mm-hmm. stories. Uh, like I said, I, I've covered a lot of this stuff and a lot of the politics stuff, and especially in this episode, and I know you're fucking tired of hearing it, but if you want to hear <laughs> like about the political shit that's going on, the Antifa episode is all of that. I had already covered it, and in my head, I was like, I want to do the weird shit now. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know if you want to learn about hitler there's plenty of places you can go you can look up all of the sources but we are sort of showing you um we're sort of showing you how this guy went from an angry sort of brainwashed 20 year old to becoming a man who literally believed that he was the second coming of jesus so that's sort of the trajectory that we're going to take and uh that we will continue to take with the rest of the series but Paige. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for having me. I don't know why I'm saying having me. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to fucking. I'm going to go eat. a. You need to go sleep for a year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go home uh, in a couple of days. By the time this comes out on Monday, I'll still be in Minneapolis. I'll be doing a show tonight at uh, the Monday night comedy show in Minneapolis. It's at the Spring Street Tavern. Go check my Instagram for information. Um so you know what i'm gonna do this last part uh after saying the following sentence did your dad update you hey folks if you want to find me on the social media uh you can do so by going to at mondo does stuff on instagram on twitter and uh on the tiktok there oh yeah oh you betcha oh you betcha i'm on that <laughs> fucking tiktok there you, you betcha you're on that TikTok. yeah um i've got a couple shows coming up this week i've got one on monday tonight like i said that's going australian did your dad update you uh i got one on uh on wednesday there in san diego um and then i got one on new year's eve in north hollywood so come out see me it's going to be cold. And then, uh, yeah, we'll all celebrate the new year. And uh, in the meantime, I'm going to go sleep forever. Thank you. Mondo does stuff on all <laughs> the social medias. Goodbye. Hey, guys. Uh, I will be having Christmas page fantasy time. So I'm probably not going to be super active on social media. I'm too busy making cookies and living my best Hell life. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to follow my me on social media for after New Year's, uh, you can find me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok. And um, I don't post much on TikTok, but I like stuff on TikTok. So do it anyway. Thank you. Bye. It's fucking, it feels like 10 degrees out here. I think it is 10 degrees out it's there, Monto. You're in Minneapolis. Ridiculous. I got. Have you eaten a Juicy Lucy No, I'm going to go eat a Juicy Lucy tonight. Yes. I'm going to go eat a Juicy Lucy and then come back and then fucking sleep forever, mate. It's going to be great. Nice. Anyway, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow us at Colt Podcast on Instagram. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can send us an email to ColtPodcastShow at gmail.com. And if you want to send us your handwritten version of a crazy dreamscape play 
absolutely please do it i almost want to do an audio fucking drama of uh, the rendition of pierre gint i love we'll to this enlist story. all our friends and cast them it'll be great oh that'll be awesome <laughs> Uh, you could send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, like, like The, the Shining. Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Hey, if you're looking for a new place to listen to the show, can we suggest Rooster Teeth there? Call, call, call. Oh, Eon. Eon, eh? Wait, wait, Eon. These jokes aren't funny anymore. Um, yeah, you can go to Rooster Teeth, download that app there on your like mobile devices or on that new Roku television that Kyler bought. Have you seen that? That's fucking insane. Ooh. Anyway, yeah, get the Rooster Teeth app or just go to roosterteeth.com and check out all of the awesome content that they have there. It's really, really something else, don't you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash cult podcast to check out all of the awesome tiers and rewards that we have there as well and i think for this episode i'm gonna say don't drink anything the troll king has like hands to you he's trapping Absolutely you not. you're gonna he's gonna make you think about boning his daughter and then you're gonna end up with a troll hybrid baby that you didn't <laughs> sign up for and don't drink the kool-aid Bye. Bye. If the troll king told me that I got his daughter pregnant, I would simply think about getting him pregnant. And then, by the way of the troll, he would have my baby. I mean, goals. 